This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Well, good morning, everybody. I am Glenn Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I am Tara Carter from Clovis, New Mexico, and you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for January 22nd, episode 2102. This episode is brought to you by Horseware. Good morning, Horse World. Good Tuesday morning to you, and I do mean a good Tuesday morning. Well, if you insist on being accurate about it. You know, only somebody with perfect comedic timing could produce this much energy in one shot. Your time in the saddle ain't as rough as a life in between, and the fence isn't there for you to straddle, and you can't change horses in the middle of your dream. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us on this Western episode. Tara is with us on the fourth Tuesday of every month, talking all things Western. And uh, you are in Fort Worth, right? That's right. Yeah, I couldn't decide on the intro today to stick with Clovis, New Mexico, or say today from Fort Worth. <laughs> We're going <laughs> to talk more about that because uh, you've been there for a few days at a show. So we're going to find out what that was all about. Uh, but uh, first, coming up on today's show, tell us a little bit about our guests that are coming up. So we have Ty Cornelius. He's the just the past current president of uh, AQHA's Youth Association. And then we've got, and he's going to tell us a little bit kind of about what the American Quarter Horse Youth Association does and how they're helping uh, new next generations get involved in the horse industry. And he's going to tell us, um, about, well, I'll just let you listen, listen to what we're going to talk to him about, but he's also got some good advice when you're looking for a horse. So, and then we're going to talk to Teresa Martin from Santa Rosa equines and they have a full service breeding facility. And I just think it's a great time to, to ask her some questions about what she does and what the daily life is like for them. And then also if somebody's considering taking a mare to breed that we can ask her some questions to figure out what we can do to make the right match. All right, very good. Well, uh, I think we have some Daily Winnies. Well, my Daily Winnie is one of these. Happy birthday, happy birthday, happy, happy birthday to you. <laughs> and it's happy birthday to one of our terrific auditors by the name of Diane Lynn. Happy birthday. Uh, yeah, happy birthday to her. Our auditors, for those that don't know, are a group of super fans. So if you really love the shows <laughs> here on the Horse Radio Network and want to help support them, you can do that for as little as a dollar a month. Just head over to horsesinthemorning.com and click on the auditor banner there on the homepage. And uh, you can go sign up. And one of the benefits of that is you get to be in our super active auditor room, which uh, probably is the most active and most positive Facebook room uh, that exists. So we have a <laughs> We have about 400 auditors in there, and it is uh, it is positive and upbeat. It's not you won't find anybody yeah. negative in there. 
which is very unusual in the horse world. Yeah, yeah world. that's going to say positive <laughs> and horse. Yeah, yeah all that exactly. together. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's very unusual. So, uh, so that's uh, available to you if you if you want to take part in it. Uh, and they also get a lot of other benefits too. Like we're going to be doing some product testing here soon. We've got a whole new list of products going to be coming out, and so basically they get free stuff. They get to test and then come on the air and tell us about it. Uh, and we have some other things that. Uh, auditors get as well. So that's what's going on there, and it is your turn. Well, I thought it would be appropriate to give a, a daily winnie to Julia Roberts Winders. She does, uh, it's called PEMF therapy, and I don't really say the whole name because I can't spit it out quite right, but that's what she does, and she she's someone who shows with us, and so while she's at the shows, not only is she competing, but she uses her time in the afternoons and the evenings to go and treat horses uh, to keep them feeling their best for the show and while they're standing on, you know, shavings on concrete. So a shout out to her for, for taking care of everybody at the show this week. Very good. And speaking of the show this week, you're at the Fourth Wor- Fort Worth Stock Show. So tell us about that. What What was going on? What were you guys doing there? Well, you know, the Fort Worth Stock Show and Rodeo, it's, it's quite the production and there's a few stocks. Fort Worth, right? I mean. Yeah. Yeah. And they, I mean, they have this hashtag, this thing is legendary and it really is. I mean, it is unbelievable. The, the vendors that they bring in and the, the, the exhibitors from li- all types of livestock and equine that come in from all over the country. Um, like we had people that came in from California and Colorado and they just put on a great show. So we were here for, the specific part, which is, you know, what we do, ranch horse versatility, ranching heritage, rain cow horse. So there was a five-day stretch here where we were showing and our students were showing. So that's that's what we came for. But, you know, they have they have a rodeo going on. They have a, a midway, which my, our kids love. You know, they try to go every night to the midway. Uh, and it's always, you, you always are really cold in Fort Worth before or after or during. Like you're bound to hit cold weather at some point. And it seemed to hit us during this time. So the carnival rides were extra cold this year. <laughs> <laughs> going on a, yeah. uh, going on the, tw- the twirl ride was a, a little chilly, was it? Yeah. Well, yeah. we did do the Ferris wheel last night, which is Philip likes to call it the steering wheel. So <laughs> we, we went on the steering wheel last night and we did the first loop and Trevor was like, we're doing one more loop. <laughs> and, then, and we're the only ones on it. Right. Cause it's so cold and windy. And so we come back down to the bottom and he's like one more. <laughs> so we, we do one more and then we're like, all right, out kids. We got to go somewhere else. Hot the most chocolate ex- and funnel cakes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was the most expensive Ferris reward ever. Now I guess <laughs> so, I, been to Fort Worth once and it was it was for a convention and a podcasting convention ironically and we were there and Fort Worth is busy with normal tourists on a normal day right Um, because it really is a tourist town I can't imagine when you bring in something like that how nuts it must be there well now there's kind of the part sometimes that a lot of people go to is the stockyards. And so the stockyards is, you know, where you can see the trains and yeah, yeah. or not the trains. Yeah. All of the that. Downtown and then, area. Yeah. Right. And then there's where we do the show, which is at the Coliseum um, with the Will Rogers Coliseum. And then by the way, they're building a whole new facility, state of the art. That's going to be Dickie's arena. And it, this was like the last year to be at the real stock show. So that was, you know, kind of a big thing too. Cause it seemed like the crowd was a little bit bigger to me this year, but 
So anyway, it's kind of two different areas. And then, you know, Fort Worth has its, its whole downtown area too, you know, which has bigger buildings and, you know, kind of the, the fancy restaurants and stuff like that. So there's, there's kind of three areas that we always migrate to. Um, and now, now in between the two, um, there's kind of like this real hip downtown area, kind of, you know, and TCU of course is here, which is, you know, the college and football and all that. Anyway, there's this real, like a, a kind of a foodie area that's pretty close to the arena. So if you want, like if you're someone who wants to try something other than hot dogs and chili dogs and funnel cakes, then there's this kind of gourmet area place yeah, to I do eat downtown. I remember them having a lot of restaurants. Um, yeah. yeah. So Trevor's new favorite place is called the Rodeo Goat. <laughs> the Rodeo Goat? <laughs> and it's, yeah, it sounds <laughs> terrible, but there's this gourmet burger place and they are so good. Anyway, I bet we ate there seven times. <laughs> In seven days. Obviously, it's and his new I, favorite place. Yeah, and if I asked him, where do you want to go? He'd be like, rodeo goat right now. <laughs> yes, ridiculous. Does he get Everyone the same thing every it. time, every night? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, they have a burger there called the Bad Ombre, and that's all he gets is the Bad Ombre. <laughs> well, so he's funny. a predictable man. You know, he's not a, he's not hard to please. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, let's do this. Let's go to I want to hear you're going to be attending something called the Art of the Cowgirl and that's coming up I guess for you over the next couple of weeks. And we I want to get to that and we'll talk about that after our first guest. Uh, we'll hear from let's hear from our title sponsor, the, the good folks at Horseware who I saw out at Wisa. And then uh We'll talk to Ty, uh, our first guest, and then we'll come back and we'll chat a little bit about the art of the cowgirl before we get to our second guest. So let's hear from our good friends at Horseware. In the world of horse racing and elite equestrian sports, it's all about how to prepare and repair. Ice Vibe is a truly portable and highly efficient circulation therapy system for your horse. Before activity, prepare to prevent damage by using the Ice Vibe's vibration pads. Repair after the event by using the unique combination of cold packs and vibration to minimize swelling and encourage blood flow. And because it's battery powered, Ice Vibe is truly portable. The essential and affordable tool to prepare and repair. Ice Vibe. You can find out more details about Ice Vibe at ice-vibe.com or horseware.com. Or ask your local tax shop or online supplier for more information about Ice Vibe Circulation Therapy from Horseware. All right. Well, thanks for joining us today, Ty. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and where you're from and how you got into horses? Well, it's no problem. Uh, I'm glad to be on. Uh I'm from uh, Mount Pleasant, Arkansas. I'm a sophomore at Arkansas State University, and I've been involved with horses probably since the day I was born, pretty much. Uh, I'm a third-generation AQHA member, Um, you know, many generations of farmers and ranchers, um, both sides of my family. Um, I've been showing competitively in quarter horse events since I was eight years old. Um, My parents both show competitively. Uh, grandparents it's just a you know a family affair for us you know it's just it's not really a hobby it's more of a way of life and it's just what we've always done so it's uh it's kind of it i didn't really choose it it chose me <laughs> and what events do you guys show competitively in we um ride we do team pinning ramp sorting poles barrel stakes and team roping and have you done all of those the entire time, or is there one of those that you got into more recently? Um, 
pretty much off and on most of it's been the entire time my dad uh used to show or both my parents used to show pleasure horses as well um i got into team roping just a few years ago compared to the others uh but most uh, uh the cow events and the speed events has pretty much been the whole my whole uh you know youth career and so what now one of the reasons that that we called to see if you'd be willing to join us on the show is because you're the current president of the American Quarter Horse Youth Association. Is that right? Well, I'm actually the past I, pre, youth president. Um, oh. I was the president um, last year in 2000, uh, 2017 through 18. And um, my one of the executive members that was on the team with me uh, was newly appointed this year. Will be is as of now and to the 2019 will be the youth president Olivia Tordoff. Okay, so when what is the time period that you guys do? Like you're elected in 2018 and then you serve 2019, or what's the well, time it, period? Uh, our it's not really a calendar year. It, we go by from by our a uh, um, conference that where we elect the the, the officer teams and have our leadership conference for the uh, youth quarter horse and it, that's in june so at the end of june so uh your term go a term will go from the first week of july right around there all the way back around to that time the next year okay so so your term is up this time next year or it was last year it was last last summer okay okay he's so, aged out tara he's i know i know yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. I'm just making sure I get the dates right, the times right. So now, what do you do now that you are a sophomore in college? Like, do you keep the same sports? Are you on a team in college, or how? What do you do what now that you're you in college? I need to know that. Oh, I'm a I'm I go to Arkansas State University, and uh, no, I I'm, I I still ride, still compete. Um, I don't. I'm not, you know, involved in any uh, collegiate sports or uh, equestrian activities or anything. I just, but I still compete pretty regularly, um, and I'm still involved with quarter horse on, you know, the state level, state affiliate level, and also the national level. Is serving as past, you know, the past president has a few, few obligations and and such. I'm on the um, serving as the past youth president on the uh, AQHA youth committee. So even though you grew up with horses and that's been a part of your family for generations, what kind of things is AQHA and the Youth Association and during your time as president, what kind of things did you guys do to help new members or new people who are new to the horse industry and or new to quarter horses? What kind of things did you guys do to help them get more involved or learn, learn more about the breed? Well, you know, uh, the horse industry for a lot of people who are getting are new to it can be pretty um, intimidating sometimes. So, like as a as as a youth organization, we tried to make the entry level to the organization as you know as user friendly as possible, as inviting as possible. You know, tried to uh, um, you know really push that we want new members and that you know beginners are welcome that you don't have to be you know a seasoned and experienced horseman to be a member of a uh, big uh, american quarter horse you know member and uh we have tried to you know 
get in place a lot of new um, opportunities for them to learn and grow and get into the organization and and try to like learn more about not only being a horseman but also the leadership aspects of the of the organization. So what kind of things do you do to help people learn more about being, being involved? Like, do you just invite them out to ride? Do you take them to certain events? Like, what what's a place that well, you recommend uh, that people start? You know, I recommend for sure. You don't want, you know, you want to go somewhere where you can learn as a beginner. And then also you want to go somewhere where you can watch experience, people with experience, just observe them. So, I, you know, I encourage people to start, you know, locally, go to, um, you know, clinics, attend clinics. But also go to try to, you know, put yourself in situations where you're going to be around better riders, better horsemen, you know, better, uh, you know, just individuals in the, in the, you know, industry all around where you can just observe and learn by example. And I encourage a lot of youth, I encourage all youth to go to the, um, come to the YES conference where we elect our leaders and have our leadership conference in the, in the summer, early summer, um, you know. Even if you're not really into riding, if you have a sibling, like, you know, youth that have siblings that ride and show, if you're uh, interested in leadership and, or if you are, you know, interested in the industry, but you're just not into riding, that it's the place to go and find your spot where you can make a difference and, you know, have, uh, be involved with the industry, you know, at a youth level. And then that can all, always carry over into the, you know, uh, the organization after you age out of youth. So what is the YES conference? What does that stand for? So that's the Youth Excellence Seminar. Um, every uh, late June, early July, it depends, you know, changes every now, uh, year to year. But it's right around there. We have a, a three, three or four-day conference, and we elect new leaders, and there will be um, regional directors from each region, that, and then there's the executive committee the officers national officers and so we'll also have workshops um you know games uh speakers keynote speakers uh a dance you know the it's a lot of the a lot of it's to develop you know networks learn you know meet new people learn leadership skills networking skills anything that can help you not only within the industry, but out of the industry as youth going, getting ready to go to college, getting ready to get jobs, et cetera. Yeah. And what, what, um, what's one of the, one of the initiatives that you guys have going this year is the rise to the challenge initiative. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, uh, a lot of what we're pushing now is to, you know, uh, amplify, you know, broadcast our mission what we what we're here to do and a lot of kids are you know like like that idea like to talk about it but they want to sit back and see other people go first do it first so we're pushing to ride you know we're pushing to be that person that wants to get out there wants to do this and you know we want you to be that one that wants to be in those situations where you're going to get to learn make yourself better and make people around you better so if somebody wanted to to really take the initiative and and help get more involved in in the equine industry, how would rise to the challenge? How would they get involved in that? Well, uh, to get involved, you know, the website now is very very user friendly. The IQHA website, I, and they have it's got its own youth um, 
the on, on, there's an own section of the website committed to the youth part of the organization, and it, it, and every state has is part of a region that's going to have regional directors that are kind of liaisons between the state affiliates and the uh, national officers, and I, and you can get their information on the website if you could get in contact with some of those uh, you know leader you know, leaders and get uh, information from them and how you can be involved and where you can come to get involved. And they're going to be happy to share with you how you can come and uh, learn more about, about all that and and get involved on a local level, state level, national level, whatever you're interested in. Okay, so you can go to aqha.com and then click on the tab that says youth and then you can see a lot of information there. Uh, yes. But you can also you know, look for AQHA or AQHA, AQHYA for the youth part, AQHYA, uh, rise to the challenge. And that tells you, you know, where in February, you guys are going to share your story. And in March, you guys are going to do a community service project, um, April. So there's different, there's a different challenge that you can do each month. And then there's some different taglines and uh, hashtags and stuff like that, that you guys can, can comment on via social media. So if that's something that you want to, you know, if you've got some ways that you're getting involved in, in the horse industry or in the quarter horse industry, then there's a way that you can kind of help contribute to the social conversation around that. Um, but, but like Ty said, maybe it sounds like there's some really great opportunities also to meet with people on a regional or a more local level that can really get to know you and get to know how you're wanting to contribute. And how, so what's your favorite of all the disciplines that you, that you compete in, Ty? Is there a discipline that's, that's one of your favorites? Um, I like the cow events, you know, uh, team pen and ranch sword, and that's kind of my favorite. Um, but I like it all. You know, I, I really I enjoy riding young horses. I enjoy showing, you know, I like, I pretty much like it all. That's good. And is there anyone that's been really influential in, in how you've learned to develop horses and train horses? Uh, my my dad, he um, he's trained lots of horses. He, um, you know, has been riding since he was a kid as well. Um, he, uh, you know, trained horses to pay for his, you know, education. And then, uh, you know, now we, he rides our horses and, and pretty much most of what I've learned has come from him. And then also I've gotten the opportunity to travel with, uh, some, uh, professional team penners and, and sorters, uh, and ride with them a lot over the last few years. And I've learned a lot from them as well. And what's, tell us a little bit about your main horse like, or, do you have a couple main horses that you ride and show right now? Well, uh, I guess my main one of the horses we've won the most on, I guess you could call him a main horse. We, he's one of our speed horses that we run the speed stuff on. We've won, um, we've won, I think four world championships on him now. Two in the amateur and two in the youth, and he's won reserve uh, three times. Two in the youth and one in the amateur. And that's in the stake race. And then he's placed in the top five and top ten of the barrels, poles, and stakes a few other times. And uh, he's a pretty good horse. His name's Packing Howie to the Bar. And me and my dad <laughs> have both won world championships on him. And is this a horse you guys raised? Uh, we didn't raise him. We actually bought him as a yearling. 
So he had not, you know, he was, wasn't trained or anything. We trained him and he, he's going to be, I think he's 11 now, just turned 11. So we've had him, had him about 10 years. We've, uh, we trained him. I started running him. I think I was probably about 12 or 13 years old and he was right around three, about turned four when I started riding him. Okay. And if anybody's thinking about going out and, uh, finding their next horse and it was a quarter horse, is there anything that you would suggest that they look for? Well, um, I think that quarter, a quarter horse is definitely the best option when it comes to breed. You know, they're the most versatile horses there are and trainability is excellent. And, you know, if you're going, if you're a beginner, um, I would definitely, you know, get, you know, a middle age, you know, more to a middle aged horse. Uh, but there's always going to be something out there for every level of rider in the quarter horse industry. There's going to be, and if, you know, uh, young old you know it doesn't matter uh there's going to be a quarter horse out there that'll fit you and if i've got one piece of advice for somebody looking for a horse it's be patient because i've seen a lot of people rush into buying horses and not get what they really need or really want but it, just because they couldn't wait any longer to get a horse if you're uh looking to buy a horse just be patient and the right one will come along that's great advice tag <laughs> jennifer's yeah. yeah that's right jennifer is there anything else that that you'd like to ask or that you can think of? Well, for going forward from here, you're a sophomore in college. So what what are you studying in school? I'm a business major. Business major. So you're going you're going the right direction there. Once you get out <laughs> of school, do you plan on becoming a professional horseman or do you think you're gonna step outside the horse industry for a while? What do you think? Um, I don't definitely won't step outside the industry. Um, I don't think I'm gonna train for the public or anything like that. But I'm definitely going to be involved. Um, I'm probably still going to be showing. I'm probably going to be riding my horses. Um, probably stay involved with the, uh, you know, leadership development of the state affiliate and everything, you know, um, in terms of, you know, the state board and everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm also, there's a new internship opportunity with AQHA um, for youth right out of, or people who have just aged out of youth have been kind of involved in the leadership uh roles wanting to stay with that and kind of learn more and develop that a little farther that involves you know chances to do some internships under the aqha's executive committee and i'm uh, i've applied for that that internship and that will be next year if i get that so that would be that would be something i'm looking forward to if i could uh, be uh, fortunate enough to receive one of those internship positions well that's kind of a great that's a great idea for the aqha because it's it sort of a, a stepping stone between being involved with the youth organization and then during your post-college years, you're getting work experience and business experience before you step into actually running the AQHA as a whole or participating as a board member or a committee member. So that's a great idea for them to kind of train up from within. So thank you very much, Ty, for coming on the show with us this morning. No problem. I enjoyed it. Well, that was an interview that you two got uh, yesterday because he's in school today. Right. Because <laughs> <laughs> Ty actually has to go to school, but very well spoken. Yeah, and it was great to be able to ask him questions about different aspects, and um, yeah, it was en- enjoyable to talk to him. Well, something else that's enjoyable for your horse is the Total Saddle Fit Shoulder Relief Cinch. 
Why is that uh, so enjoyable for your horse? Because it improves the saddle fit and your horse's comfort. The center of the cinch sits back in your horse's natural girth groove, while the sides are set back to attach to the latigos further back and prevent the saddle from being pulled into the shoulders. The unique shape has special cutouts for elbow clearance as well. It's one of the best-selling cinches out there in the market today because it actually works. It uses the it also uses an interchangeable liner system, so the the cinch can be used with a limestone neoprene, a wool felt, or a wool fleece for easy cleaning and flexibility. And I know that some of uh, our hosts use the girths and the cinches with the liners, and they use different liners for different horses depending on the situation. And the nice part is they can take them out and they can clean them, and it's easy to do. Uh, You can purchase additional liners separately. Also, there's a new version of the cinch available specifically for Australian and trail saddles. It works with any saddle that has a 1.25-inch billet and also features a removable girth overstrap to work with all types of Australian saddles. Head on over to the shop page at totalsaddlefit.com to learn more. You can find them at your local tack shop or feed supplier or your favorite online retailer. Visit totalsaddlefit.com. That's totalsaddlefit.com to find find out all the details and they also have English and they do have the cinches and they have uh, stirrup leathers, all kinds of things over there. Saddle pads. You can find it all at totalsaddlefit.com. One of our longtime sponsors here on the show. Well, before we get to Teresa to talk a little bit about breeding and how all that works, I wanted to ask you about an event that you're going to called Art of the Cowgirl. Yeah, we had Tammy Pate on, I want to say four episodes ago to talk about Art of the Cowgirl, and it's in Phoenix, and what they're doing is bringing in different clinicians, different tradesmen, artists, um, and they are like kind of having a trade show, but also an event, and the whole idea is that it will raise money for scholarships for, um, basically fellowships for people who want to continue to be in the Western industry as a bootmaker, a saddle maker, a silversmith, etc., cetera, uh, or maybe a, maybe a trainer. So it's opportunities uh, to raise money for fellowships to support those who want to do fellowships with master tradesmen. So um, I'm really looking forward to it because when I heard Tammy talk about it, I thought, man, this would be a really fun event to go to. And it really has just started to really take on. And I know they've planned all of this. It's not like it overnight is a success, but there's going to have, they're going to have a lot of different people there. And um, we've got, we're actually, I was going to fly in, but now the way it's all working is uh, we've got some horses that are coming in from training from California. And we've had one that's been with us from Arizona. So I'm just going to haul a trailer and take, take some horses back and pick some others up. And they're also having a horse sale at this event. So, uh, you know, I, I have no idea. I might have excuse to. excuse <laughs> that you're using oh, with your husband right. to bring the trailer. I have to bring the trailer. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because I'm delivering a horse. And, you know, yeah. they just happen to be having this auction. Right. And I might be buying something. And, yeah, we know, all know how you it. work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although so, he probably gets buys does he buy more horses? Who buys more horses? Well, I'm actually the one that like officially says, "Okay, we're going to buy that one." Uh, okay. But, so you do have final But Trevor say. tries to buy all, <laughs> all 20 of them. them. Yeah. And if and I'm usually not I'm I'm sort of, I don't know. I'm just better at saying, "No, we better wait." <laughs> but I'm but I uh 
I'd like to just as much as he would. <laughs> do you do the books? So you do the books as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the one that does the books is always the one saying, ah, let's wait on that. Uh, yeah. we, we don't need three yeah. more horses right now <laughs> yeah, in the right. middle of winter when we have to it's fortune to buy hay so well and i always tell people because i do believe this is that buying the horse is the cheapest part oh it right? is <laughs> so <laughs> no question so i totally even myself forget like oh yeah we could we could do a couple more oh wait yeah forget all the other stuff that comes with that you know it's easy to look at that part so yeah it is i tell you as a horse husband i looked at the bills for last week and we had the debt we have two <laughs> horses we had the dentist out and jennifer's oh, yeah. fancy fancy shoes uh, and of course we we probably had the most expensive dentist in the country um so and she has this fa- these fancy glue-on shoes she puts on her horse which really do oh, work yeah. i mean it's been it, they've worked out tremendously because her horse his feet were so bad you couldn't put nails in them so but these but they're 200 dollars a pop you know so you, you, it, it was a 600 dollars week just with two horses last week yeah. um <laughs> so, and that's the yeah. extra stuff that's not feeding them yeah that's yeah. right yeah <laughs> so these people who have 20 or 30 horses of their own uh they make a hell of a lot more money than I do. Let's just put it yeah. that way. <laughs> <laughs> now you do it. Well, let's get Teresa on here. Um, why don't you chat a little bit about Teresa while I'm trying to get her on? Okay. Well, I actually met Teresa, speaking of buying horses. Uh, we were at the sale in Clovis, and we they have a special event there where when you buy a horse from there, they put it in, it makes it them eligible for futurity later in the year, a couple years down the road. So Teresa brought this horse that she had fit for the sale. And of course he looked beautiful and he was all shiny and anyway, we just really like as well. Hey Teresa. How Hi. are you this morning? I'm good. How are you? We're doing well, thank you. We were we were just talking about an event in Phoenix that I'm headed to and a horse sale and you know, how we probably will have to take room in the trailer. And that's actually how we met you is that Trevor and I bought a horse at a sale that you fit. And um, so that kind of started it all. And the more I learned about you and what you do with your, with Santa Rosa equines, I thought, man, it would be great to to have you on the show and just ask some questions um, because it's that time of year when uh, people are if they're not already committed, that they're certainly thinking about what their decision they're going to make if they're going to breed their mare. So, yes, ma'am. Well, thank you for having me, and and thank y'all for buying that nice colt you did. Yeah, thanks for bringing him. Um, so you said you've been up all night. What have you been doing? Well, we had a mare have a foal. Uh, we had our first baby of the year last night. And uh, everything went good. It's a beautiful red roan Sandman filly. So we were pretty excited about that. And what is Sandman? For people who may not have heard of Sandman, what is his specialty? Or what What were you? What was your uh, reason for choosing that stallion? Uh, I, I had been over to Buffalo Ranch. Sandman stands at Buffalo Ranch. He's a son of metallic cat. Out of the smart look. And... I really like the bone and the and the size on that horse. And for our program, we try to pick stallions that we think can go out there and make a versatile performance horse. So I I just liked him, and I'm we're and actually we're going to breed another one to him this year. I just think he's going to fit our program. 
Good. So how did you get into horses, Teresa? Well, you know, in, when I was eight years old, my family, nobody in my family has anything to do with horses. <laughs> and I always loved them growing up. And, you know, it just kind of evolved. I didn't even really start riding till I was in the eighth grade. And I got to rodeoing and really enjoyed it. And then I started roping, calf roping. Uh, my grandfather was a calf roper and my uncle. And so I started breakaway roping. And then I started team roping. And, and that put me through college. Uh, yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. And then uh, then later on, we got into this performance deal. And uh, I really enjoy it, too. Now, where where are you guys located? We're located in Vernon, Texas. And where is Vernon? Like for people who may not know, where what's it? We're lo- it's between on Highway Two Eighty Seven. It's between Amarillo and Fort Worth. Okay, we're kind of midway. We're about three hours from Fort Worth West. You know, I always cringe when I ask somebody where they are in Texas, where they're located. Is it near something? Because there's a lot of Texas that's not near anything. So it's like. (laughs) Well, we're kind of out in the boonies out here for sure. (laughs) (laughs) And And what do you guys do at Santa Rosa Equine? Well, we have a breeding program is, is our, is our main business here. Uh, what started out to be a part-time hobby has turned into a full-time job. My husband is a retired DPS trooper, and we were just looking for something, you know, just to kind of have something else to do when he retired, and, and we've just kind of created a monster out of the deal. It's just been <laughs> it's been awesome. The people have been great and, and helped us grow and flourish and and we're real excited about the future. Now, what? So you you have some stallions that you stand at Santa Rosa Equine. Are they yours? Are they people that own them that stand them there? Do you have a Do you have a mix? We have, we have, we own two ourselves. Uh, we own the highbrow highbrow cat son out of a Mister J Bar Fletchmare. And then we just recently purchased uh, a beautiful Palomino Roan stallion that was a finalist. Uh, he's by Metallic Cat that was a finalist at the Snapple Bit Fraternity this last year. And then we stand two other stallions that belong to two other owners, uh, Crumpler Brothers on Brother Toughwood and Margaret Kelly owns Desire Ray. And so when people are trying to consider a, to take their mare to a breeding facility or to choose the right stallion, um, what kind of advice do you give them when they're trying to make those decisions? Like, do you kind of have a protocol you follow or, you know, have a little checklist you follow? Well, you know what? What I suggest you do is just do your homework and your research and, you know, see a person needs, in my opinion, needs to know what the the end result and the goal is for the foal in picking a stallion. And, and so, uh, 
you know, that that's the first place to start. And then, of course, you know, your confirmation and stuff of both Marin Stallion and and then just kind of what direction you want to go. Some of these stallions are specialized stallions, and that's what you're going to get. And then there's a lot, like the four we've got, we have them picked because they're capable of producing the versatility horses that can go do anything. Yeah. So if someone was looking for like a specialty, a specialty breed, you know, it's good to maybe find. So basically you would try to find a place that offers stallions that help, like you say, reach your goal. But maybe, you know, think about, are you wanting something specialty? Are you wanting something more versatile? So, and what kind of things do you do? So you, you have these stallions there and you, do you help promote those stallions? Is that the job of the owner? Is that something that you do as part of your service as a, as a breeding management facility? We, we all, I have great owners, Tara, and we all work together promoting these, these boys. Uh, you know how hard it is and how time consuming it is. And it takes everybody working together as a team to make it work. You know, owners have to be committed in getting the best mares of their own to their own stallions that they can. They have to be committed to trying to train a few and and make sure some of them get to the pen. But most of my owners, like Brother Toughwood's owners, that's Crumpler Brothers, they've been in the cutting industry for years. And so they are really committed into uh, promoting that horse and getting babies into the pen, which, which all the rest of us are too. Right. And what about for your for the mayor? So like we I know we're going to bring a couple of mayors to you guys this year. What kind of things should we do to make sure that our mayors are prepared? And and uh, I mean that from all standpoints like do we put them under lights? Do do we make sure they can lead and load in a trailer? And I I mean I'm asking that knowing knowing they should, but I'm just saying like what kinds of things right. make your job easier? <laughs> Well, first and foremost, it's nice if their halter broke when they get yeah. here. <laughs> you, would, you would be surprised at how many mares we get in here that are just barely halter broke. And it just takes time trying to catch and handle those mares. Fortunately, we're set up good here that we can, but it just slows everything down. So we like for them to be halter broke. We like for them to at least 30 days out to have their vaccinations up and current. Uh, we've been real fortunate here that we haven't had any disease problem because we have been real careful uh, on allowing the mares that come in. If one comes in here and she's got a really snotty nose and not, well, she goes into the quarantine barn because I just don't want to mix and mingle a sick horse with all of our healthy horses in foals. And then, uh, of course, if if you want to breed early, they need to have been under light. Uh, that way we can get them bred early. Otherwise, I advise everybody that hasn't to let them go through the transitional period in March and bring them starting the first week of April on. 
It just okay. saves time. And then the owner's not sitting there wondering why their mare's not getting bred. And, it, you know, you do everything you can. But if, if the mare hasn't been properly set up to breed for February, March, then it gets tough after that. So what kind well, of things... Can I just can... say, isn't it sad that you had to make the statement that they need to be halter broke before the <laughs> just... Oh, yeah. Yeah, but it's... It, you know, we've gotten truckloads of mares in here, actually straight deck loads, where they brought them in here, and we had to build a chute just to be able to catch them outside before we brought them in. And then sometimes that wasn't a good situation at that point, you know. And we have had them. I had bred mares out in the lot behind the gate because we couldn't even get them in. Time and, to double. If they're not halter broke, double the rate. That's my uh, I'm helping you out here. It's double the rate if they're <laughs> that, not algebra. That's, that's exactly right. And, and uh, anymore, the older I've gotten, we kind of turn those kind of mares away anymore. It, it's just you have to. It's too risky to get hurt, you know. And what's and, and it's also not your job I, to train the horse. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. Exactly. It's not your job. That's supposed to happen before they get there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, exactly. I was sort of joking about lead and load in the trailer, but I didn't realize that, <laughs> that was an actual cord. thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, dang it. Uh, um, yeah. And so when you put a horse under lights, because that's not something that we do, uh, what is the what is the protocol? What is the timing for that? For and what are the lights? the lights? Is it any lights? Yeah. What kind of lights? Yeah. You know, what? what? The, the, the lights uh, will, will stimulate the summer months. You know, days are longer. And so that keeps the mare cycling. Now, there are some mares, and we have some here right now because we've not had a real rough winter here that are still cycling. Uh, but we went on ahead and put them under lights in the mare barn just so we could keep them cycling so they didn't shut down on us in mid-February or mid-March. You want the lights to come on. You have to be able to read a newspaper in every corner of the pen, and you need the Mm -hmm. lights to come on. Here we have them come on at 6 and go off at 11. Okay. Okay, that's good to know. And what, yeah, like what Glenn said, what kind of light? Does it matter? Is there a certain, certain uh, lumen we that you use have to have? We LED lights because they're brighter. What was that? What it, kind? Uh, LED. Oh, LED. You know, the okay. real bright. Uh-huh, yep. Uh, like our reset mares, we've just got them in a big lot, but we've got the pen set up where the light covers the whole pen. So that way we don't have to individually stall those mares. And it, you know, but just because of the uh, convenience and time of having to stall them every day and clean up after them and all that. So can I ask a question about recent mares and embryo transfers? Because this part is really confusing to me. And Glenn, you may understand it. But so... So an embryo transfer, how does that work? Well, you breed them. Of course, you breed the mare. And, the, and day one, 
will be the day after they ovulate. And then eight days later, you, the veterinarian will go in and, and he will flush the mare just like you're kind of like lavage in the mare. And we flush the, if there's an embryo in there, it'll come out. And then you, you take it in and you uh, put it in a dish, you go through the cleaning process to clean it and you grade it. And then you put it in the recipient mare. The recipient mare needs to ovulate. Everybody has their preferences on when they want those to ovulate. Uh, like here, we have ours at five to seven days. The recipient ovulates five to seven days after the donor. And so this is a this is a true t- as I understand it this is a true timing issue, and yeah yeah yeah, and there are some things that can go wrong like the timing. <laughs> <It's> like, yeah. <laughs> oh oh yeah. yeah oh yeah yeah you know, and you know you can we've made recip you know we've gotten a bind a time or two when the recip slipped up and ovulated it three or four days after but we still. You know, you can put them on some alternatives and make it work, and and you know, you just gotta hear. Uh, two days after we put the embryo in, I I go in and check the mares and make sure uh, everything's clean. Sometimes you can see them, sometimes you can't, uh, but you just want to make sure that the bear hadn't uh, picked up a infection or anything like that, because you can get on it immediately. We have saved some embryos by just taking that extra step and checking them a little bit quicker. What, what percentage make it? Uh, you know, they're about 75% up. Okay. I was wondering that because there's going to be a certain failure rate with that, and that's why I was wondering what you know. No matter what you do, there's going to be a certain yeah. failure rate with that. There is if uh, if right. you're doing it naturally, right? So I mean, right, yeah. exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Well, that's one thing that I love about you know I've, once we met Teresa at the sale and we bought this horse and then we became friends on Facebook and I love watching Teresa talk about the extra care that she takes. And I'm sure lots of breeding facilities do this and they take this amount of care, but I've never been, I've never really known anyone who manages a breeding facility and just all the timing and the care. And so that was one thing that I've just really loved to learn about you, Teresa, is the amount of care that you take. And so when we were trying to decide, okay, cause we have, we had some mares that, um, that we bred at our place. Like we had semen chipped, but what we did is, we did it with the vet, and the vet's awesome here, but we just thought, man, there's so much that Teresa does to follow up on different times. Like she said, I take that extra day to check. And so when we decided this year, we thought, you know, we're going to take our mares to to Teresa just because of the care that you guys do. So, I mean, if I had any advice for anybody, and I'm very limited on this, is just that find someone that you know will take such great care like you guys do, Teresa. So, Well, this it's mainly just me and my husband that run this deal. Help is hard to find around here. And he likes to be the one do the feeding because he can lay an eyeball on those mares two or three times a day. And if there's a, if, if somebody's having a problem, then we can get on it right away. We're not depending on somebody to miss something on those mares. He is great about learning the habits on even the the new outside mares. He watches them. 
uh, you know, we we just try to, you know, sometimes we just we just like to put a little bit extra effort in it. I mean, even like with the frozen semen, there's not many people that I know will get out there at 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night and start <laughs> checking mares to be able to breed that close to ovulation. Uh, so, you know, it's a, it's a lot of work, but I take a lot of pride in what I do. And I want happy mare owners, and I would say 95% of our business has been built on repeat business. Yeah, that's great. So I have one last question, and that's the the part that all this is for is when the mare folds. And so do you guys fold out as well? Yes. yes. Obviously, you did your own there. Hold on one second. Tara, you need to unplug your mic. So she'll be right back. She has uh, this mic issue that happens at the middle of every show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's okay. okay. All right. That's all right. There we go. Is oh, you're that better? back. Yep. Yeah, you're good. Okay. So my question is, you know, all of this, like you said, is for the full. And then, so you just fold out, but this is one of your own personal folds. But do you also fold out for, for mayor owners, other mayor owners? Yes. 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 We, we fold out. We don't own but uh, 14 mares of our own personally. But we fold out probably 40 mares a year. Wow. And we have uh, our house is built on to the barn. And we have two windows that look into the stall. And we, we don't use cameras or anything like that. We actually set up, we take shifts and watch the mares through those windows in those folding stalls. That way we can get right out there when the process starts and we can be there in case of trouble. And uh, we don't intervene unless we need to. And and uh, and believe you me, we've had instances where we've had to immediately. And uh, our death loss has been minimal. We m- might lose one foal a year and it'll be something that was beyond our control. But you've just got to pay such close attention and take care of those foals. They're left in the stall for at least 24 hours so we can monitor them, make sure they don't run any fever. We check their IgG levels and and just make sure no little health issues pop up because most of the time it will pop up during that period of time. Okay. And what's – do you guys um... – one of the times we worked at one of the ranches, and every time something was a foal was born, they gave it a bag of, and I'm losing the word here. It's not colostrum, but it plasma. was like that. Plasma. Yes, it's plasma. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Do you guys do that? We we do on some, the real, real expensive babies. We do. Uh, you know, that's an expensive process. But if if the IgG level and stuff is good on those foals, we don't normally do it uh and i have some owners that just want it done routinely and that's what we do and uh so we we just kind of do what the owners want to do on that uh sometimes those babies can have a reaction to that and it's usually Mm -hmm. not a good outcome so if you don't need it then it just kind of scares me. Will that be that one fold that has that reaction and I lose it? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I've, 
I've learned a lot and I feel, I feel better about uh, coming up on the springtime for, for some of my questions about foals. So I appreciate you coming on and answering those questions. And do you have anything, Glenn? Nope. I'm good. She did a great job. Well, well, thank y'all for having me and I've enjoyed it. And Tara, I look forward to seeing y'all this spring. Very good. Now, Teresa, where can people find out more about Santa Rosa Equine? We have a website. It's www.SantaRosaEquine.com. Okay. All right. Well, thank and you, we Teresa. Have Facebook page too. Thank okay. you. All right. Thank you, Teresa. Uh huh. Thank y'all for having me. So there you go. That was uh, very interesting. We haven't talked about that too often here, so that was nice to ha- uh, to talk about breeding. Uh, and the light thing sounds like a pain in the butt, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I know we've actually <laughs> we've actually not done it, and we have been pretty happy. You know the fact that we just for our show horses that we just blanket them and um, you know just try to keep their hair growth down a little bit, and you know it's worked out okay. Well, they're good. Good. Well, thank you so much for putting this together. I know you guys have to pack and get out of Fort Worth and back to New Mexico. So have a good trip back. And then you have to leave again. <clears throat> Kids aren't going right. to see you for a little while. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. And how is he? Uh, does he? Is, Jennifer usually is it good for about three days. She's happy to, you know, to have peace and quiet. Um, and then wants me home. Does he last three days before he wants you home? Or is it pretty much first night? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think he's good. I don't. I don't know. This is change is a part of our life. Like we are constantly on the go and doing stuff differently. So I don't know what's normal for us, Glenn. (laughs) (laughs) That's the one thing about a horse person. That's what happens. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly what happens. Well, thank you everybody for joining us. We really appreciate it. It is uh, Tara's day, Western day. And of course that is the fourth Tuesday of every month. You can find all of the past episodes of the Western episode. Just go to horsesinthemorning.com. Scroll down to the middle. There's a banner, uh, a line of banners there for all our monthly episodes. Just click on the Western one and it'll bring you to all Tara's past episodes. Tara, where can they find you, your website, your schedule, the clinics, all that stuff? We're at carterranchhorse.com carterranchhorse.com It's as easy as it sounds. And of course you can (laughs) find us on our app iOS or Android. Just search for Horse Radio Network. We do realize the Android app is having an issue. It's out to the developer now to try and figure out what's going on there. So you can listen on our website. You can go to any podcast player. There's, There's a podcast player, whether people know it or not, built into every iPhone and every Android phone. It's part of the Google system and it's also part of the uh, iPhone. It's easier to find on the iPhone, but there is also a Google Podcast app. You can find it in the App Store right on on your phone, and anybody can download it. And our shows are on there as well. We'll be back tomorrow. Jamie will be here. We have a full show planned for you. And then uh, we're going to be doing our first grooming episode, special monthly grooming episode with Pro Equine Grooms on Thursday. And then Really Bad Ads will be back on Friday. So get your ads in to Jennifer at HorseRadioNetwork.com. And we're heartened to see so many new people sending in ads. And anybody in Texas, you guys have to have bad Craigslist ads for horses for sale. You've got to. (laughs) (laughs) And New Mexico, too. There's got to be some bad ones in New Mexico. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. (laughs) So thank you, Tara. (laughs) Have a good trip. Bye. Thanks. I know there's some crappy ones in Florida, I can tell you that. Uh...